0: Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, nurse scientist and sustainability leader in Missoula, Montana. On the podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. Today, our guest is Julie Moyle, nurse and member engagement manager at Practice Green Health. Also, she keeps up her clinical practice as an OR nurse at a surgery center in Boulder, Colorado, where she lives. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Beth. Nice to be with you. Thank you. Well, tell us a bit about yourself and your nursing background. You have a really interesting um, uh, interaction between both practice and this interesting profession you're in.
1: Well, yes, thank you. So I came up through surgical services in my career. Uh, the OR called me very early, uh, loved working of course and scrubs and comfortable shoes and uh, as a team and uh Have worked in various capacities over the years. uh, Of course, as a staff nurse, manager, director, uh, charge nurse, consultant, sometimes educator. um, And really got my start in sustainability in 2003 when I opened and managed the surgery department at the country's first lead certified hospital in Boulder, Colorado. Now, I didn't even know what that stood for, uh, leadership in uh, energy and environmental design, um, green building certification. But as I learned the story, um, it, it became simply just an increase in the scope of my practice, um, which is to care for people and uh, protect their health So for me, uh, it really is an extension of uh, my oath, my mission um, to protect and advocate for human health. So I got my start in uh, environmental health, uh, as I mentioned, in 2003, the first LEED certified hospital. But really and truly what really hooked me was (laughs) I was trying to, as you know a lot of us do shave off a few pounds and try biking to work and I fell in love with it right it was I got to work I felt great I was ready to go uh you know I got home I was de-stressed and I was taking off weight and then came kind of the bigger realization right hey I'm saving gas money and then even the bigger realization like hey I'm not polluting the air when I drive, when I go to and from work. And so it really was a personal experience, uh, you know, that was the foundation and upon which I built um, now my practice in sustainability. And, you know, while I uh, managed a surgery department uh, from a lead hospital, uh, just because it's a lead hospital, you know. Once the doors are open, there's the operational piece, of course, that makes it work. And so that's where my focus was. And now I'm very fortunate, you know, after uh, many years uh, to share that experience, um, not only through conferences and articles, but through Practice Green Health, which is a, a nonprofit member funded organization of hospitals across the U.S. who are committed and dedicated to reducing the environmental impacts of hospitals. So I work with, you know, people like myself and other sustainability leaders in uh, the nation's hospitals um, and support them and the organizational goals of the organization as it pertains to environmental health. So. Um, you know, uh, jack of all trades, master of none, I guess that would be me, except for the areas (laughs) in the operating room uh, and transportation, which is uh, content that I helped develop uh, at Practice Green Health. But yeah, I help hospitals uh, meet their goals in the various content areas of Practice Green Health as we've set them up. So the course, you know, those are things like waste, energy, food, supply chain, Leadership, chemicals, uh, a green building, climate, et cetera. Um, so that's a little bit about uh, my background and what I do now. Um,
0: How did you make that transition from being a, a nurse deeply embedded in a hospital at all levels, as you mentioned, to uh, working for Practice Green Health? How'd that come about?
1: I attended my first Clean Med in 2008. That was in Pittsburgh, and um, uh, we were fortunate to have a sustainability coordinator, uh, probably one of the first in the nation, Kaya Belkis, and he took me under his wing, and he dragged me to CleanMed 2008, where I met a community of environmental warriors, and I mean that in in the highest sense of honor and integrity, uh, who... Uh, were absolutely dedicated to this work and supporting leaders in hospitals to accomplish these goals um, that, and um, I kind of just, you know, I was intrigued and curious and um, you know, was introduced, made connections, and I stayed engaged uh, actually around the edges of uh, practice green health. Uh, I was fortunate in that um, I was asked by Fiedler Enterprises, which is a continuing education uh, firm, now actually uh, part of AORN. Uh, They acquired that business, I think a couple of years ago. But I was asked to put together some educational programs um, at AORN on environmental sustainability, and of course, I reached out to Practice Green Health because they're the experts um, who are leading this work, and was able to engage them in conversations um, around sustainability uh, for several years. And so it was just through the acquaintance, through joint presentations at different venues, that I finally got an opportunity in 2013 to join Practice Green Health and their Healthier Hospitals uh, campaign. So uh, that's my journey now into uh, what I what I do now at Practice Green Health.
0: Well, it must have been you must have been a real asset as well because of the focus on greening the OR in terms of uh, Practice Green Health has really recognized that operating rooms often are you know, the most energy intensive, create the most waste, also anesthetic agents, etc. So I imagine you contributed to a lot of the tools that the rest of us currently use. Is that right?
1: Uh, that's fair, I guess. Um, and I'm happy to do so in any capacity. Uh, the Green EOR program is actually managed by Kaylee Sheehan. Um, and I work for Kaylee and support her work there at the greeting, the OR, but yes, of course, you know, I bring stories and content and I even, you know, for me, it's an opportunity to walk the walk. Um, you know, we're asking, um, leaders in hospitals to, to change. That's never easy especially in the operating room. I mean, people are so wedded to their routines and consistencies and for good reason, you know, specialization works. So any kind of change in practice, of course, is, uh, is, is going to be challenging and met with, um, you know, rightly so uh, good compelling evidence of why that change should even be considered. And so, <clears throat> Um, it gives me a chance to have those conversations um, in the OR and, you know, practice what I preach for sure to others. And, you know, even with my background and experience um, it's still not easy to have some of these conversations. Um, I guess more recently around, you know, the impacts of anis- inhaled anesthetic agents and, and the waste gas and uh so, you know, that's the purview, of course, of uh, anesthesiologists and anesthesia providers. And so, um, you know, I always refer them to the American Society of Anesthesiologists and the resources that they have to reduce the environmental impacts of inhaled anesthetic agents. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it can be challenging just because people have, have been practicing a certain way, have been taught a certain way for, for, for a while. So it keeps it real for me, Beth, um, you know, to practice, again, what I what I preach and, and how we work and support um, leaders in, in other hospitals.
0: Right. And uh, let's explore just a little bit also your role as a nurse in this way. I mean, I, I heard what you're saying there about, the, for instance, an example, the practice of delivering anesthetic agents is really up to those providers, which are typically, um, MD anesthesiologists or CRNAs, nurse anesthetists, or occasionally, I guess, there are other um, other licensed personnel coming up to do that. Um, so, so you're aware of licensed and um, scope issues. Um, however, it's really also important in, it, it seems to me, like what you're able to offer both in your clinical practice um, as a nurse currently, but also over your years of leadership and also in your role at Practice Green Health, that you are a nurse. So I just want to explore that a little bit, primarily for our listeners who may not have thought about these connections between um, making changes in acute care when when it is a lot of it is outside of your practice zone, but nonetheless, your um, believability and experience as a nurse really matter. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, for me, it
1: it comes down to the oath that I swore uh, to honor, and uh, I think that's the leverage point um, for me to engage in conversation with my colleagues. Because at the end of the day, um, for me, it's about honoring that oath or not. Right? We know um, how environmental health impacts patient health. And just because they're not on the table or within the four walls of the hospital does not make them our patients any longer. They're still our patients. And if we are to remain true to our sworn missions and sworn oaths, then we must act to improve the health of our environmental health because it improves the health of our communities and our patients. And so as a clinician, um, I feel comfortable having that conversation and issuing that challenge to my colleagues. Um, In my mind, advocacy really is the highest form of practice in any health field, just because of the increase in the scale and the scope of positive impact that a practitioner can have. So I encourage my colleagues to aspire um, to advocacy because it's so proactive and so preventative. Um, and that's really where we need to um, put our time and energy looking upstream and addressing the environmental determinants
0: of health. Right. And I heard you say, let me, let me clarify if this is, if I heard you correctly, you're talking about your scope of interest as a nurse, as being beyond the patient that's in front of you in the care setting. In other words, to thinking upstream, thinking about the health in your community, thinking about the health on a more planetary basis in in terms of some of our bigger uh, environmental issues. Um, Is that fair to say? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean,
1: I don't understand really how people can sleep at night when we're discharging patients into environments that are making them sick. That's just crazy making in my mind. And so, yeah, my scope has increased Beth. It is, it is much bigger picture. Uh, Yes, it's lofty and yes, it's aspirational and is it achievable? Who knows? But you know, you just never know the impacts of, you know, a good deed or, you know, something done uh, on behalf of uh, the community or somebody else. And I'll give you a couple examples of how that's presented itself in my life um, in the past few years. Most recently, um, uh, in uh, the Denver metropolitan area, um, there is a uh, manufacturer, um, Coors Tech, uh, which is actually a, family business um not the beer business which is still there but in the 1930s when prohibition rolled through they had to split the business um and they developed a ceramic business now this was back in the 40s when this manufacturing facility was built uh in the little uh blue collar town of golden colorado um and you know fast forward 80 years and all of a sudden um You know, you've got a high-density residential population that has grown up around a manufacturing facility with 17 industrial kilns emitting who knows what. Um, And I mentioned that one of my areas of specialization was transportation, and uh, I went to a hearing um, by the city of Golden um, about a renewal for the air permit. Of course, tech and I just went to listen and learn, and what what I heard coming out of those kilns and smokestacks were some of the same air pollution uh, concerns that I came across in all the research that I did around transportation. You know, nitrous oxide and particulate matter, and uh, you know, various um, you know contaminants and, and toxins. And so, I submitted um, a statement expressing those concerns. I even, you know, went surfing on the Department of Public Health and Environment website to, to look at health statistics. I could only get it down to the county level, not the zip code level. But I did notice an increase in respiratory uh, condition and cancer, and I pointed that out uh, and encouraged cores. Tech, you know, a world leader now um, to, um, you know, do the right thing for their flagship community, uh, you know, where all their employees live and so forth and so on and laid out that expectation. Uh, so that was one more recent example. Um, and the other one was uh, several years ago in support of president Obama's clean power plan for the same reasons. And I drove down to Denver and, you know, submitted a statement, uh, in front of the Environmental Protection Agency when they were receiving public comments, so that's how some of my practice, uh, I guess, has uh, increased in scale and scope, uh, and and since I've really gotten involved in environmental sustainability.
0: Yeah, that's great, and thank you for doing that. It's it's really I I agree with you that advocacy is so important, and also nursing voices out there are so important. You know, all health professionals are are uh, important to hear from, but I often come back to nurses because there's, we're the, there's more of us than anybody else. We continue to be the most trusted voice and we're believable. You know, we're good at translating information for uh, folks without a healthcare background or a science background to understand. And so I think it's a very uh, powerful voice. So thank you for using it in that way because it contributes to all of us. Oh, well,
1: thank you, Beth. I mean,
0: really, you know, it
1: just comes down to caring. I, I think that's where nurses uh, stand out. And, you know, it gets real. It gets real with us and our patients in the middle of the night uh, and during some of the most challenging times during people's lives. And, you know, that is an honor and a privilege from from where we sit and we practice and our responsibility to support you know, our patients and um, whatever they need in those moments. And nurses I think are unique um, in um, being in those positions. And I, I think that's what is behind the trust. Um, you know, We tend to tell patients the truth, even though it's not what they want to hear sometimes Mm -hmm. um so yeah um i think nurses voices in this uh larger discussion um i think
0: will be heated and should be heated Mm -hmm. um yeah well good well that sounds like that is a big motivator for you but but do what would you say when i if i asked you what motivates you for this work
1: It's making, it's knowing, Beth, that I'm making a difference, that I am contributing positively. Um, and that is incredibly personally fulfilling and satisfying. Being a part of something that's bigger than yourself, knowing you are making a difference, and, again, having, contributing to the common good. I know it may be a novel concept in today's world, but, you know, that sense of fulfillment and satisfaction for me, um, you know, is serves, serves as the foundation for a lot of happiness in my life. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I feel like a lot of nurses might share that sentiment, that they really understand the big picture, that they realize that, health is more than what only what happens in the healthcare setting. And yet, um, not all are able to really make that step into um, practicing sort of with that bigger picture in mind. Now, perhaps not every nurse needs to, but I just, I'm interested in opening, helping identify pathways for nurses to do so. Now, it doesn't mean they have to change their career. They, they wouldn't have to work for an organization like you do but perhaps they would get more involved in their community or speak out on health issues or work on uh, cleaning up their own practice or something like that, as many nurses are doing. Do you have any words of wisdom for nurses who might want to be, um, you know, finding that sort of same satisfaction that you're finding in terms of contributing to uh, solving some of our problems um, in, in the bigger picture? Sure. Sure.
1: Um, It's, Easy to get overwhelmed in this work. Um, so, with you know, for all the big picture thinking uh, and lofty aspirations, I would encourage anyone who is interested in learning more about this to simply start with themselves. Don't worry about anything or anybody else, because this is where it begins. Just like me on my bike. Do something different. Just change one thing. Um, Sometimes for my New Year's resolutions, I'll try to adopt a new practice uh, personally in my life that will make a difference. I think one of the more recent ones was just using a reusable coffee filter just so (laughs) I know it's really, really small. But it's things like that um, that that can begin to shift um, and move things um, along, not only in your life personally, but you'll find yourself, uh, you know, perhaps putting paper in the recycle bin at work. Um, and when I when I say just focus on yourself and start with yourself, I really do mean that because what happens as a result of that is that people notice. You may not think they do, but they are. And just, you know, by default, change theory and human behavior, they then have to adjust. They have to stop, think something is different and it gets their attention. And so, again, starting small and knowing, uh, and I'll borrow a phrase by Amy Klobuchar, who is a senator out of Minnesota what we need is silver buckshot. There is no silver bullet. We need silver buckshot. And, you know, a reusable coffee filter, putting paper in the recycle bin at work are buckshot. Um, and more importantly, it there's a feeling of connection, Beth, of being something greater than yourself and being a part of something, um, you know, that's contributing positively to society and to community and to population health and global health. I mean, it's not just about humans. You know, we share this planet with incredible, uh, you know, ecology of biodiversity. Uh, And there's a responsibility, I think, uh, in making sure we're being good stewards uh, in in every respect. So uh, again, starting small, starting with yourself, just changing one thing, I think, is what begins this journey. I'll throw another quote at you for consideration by uh, Margaret Mead. She, she and oh, her co-author wrote Walk On, Walk Out. And the thought is this, and the quote is this, start anywhere, follow it everywhere. And that's really it summed up. That's my story. Uh, you know, from my my days of riding to work to where I sit now, um, and just knowing and the belief in, um, you know, throwing a pebble in a pond and those ripples, how they ripple outwards, and you know, using that analogy uh, for change, and just knowing that making those positive changes in your life radiate outwards in ways that you will never ever be able to know or comprehend, but it's real. So, um, those are just some, some thoughts that I would share for those who are interested in learning a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that's terrific, Julie. And great reminders of, of not only starting wherever you are right here, right now, this is a place to start. Um, but I really like the idea of the impacts that you're not even aware of because people, it makes a difference. We, we are all impacted by those around us and uh, you may spur all sorts of things just by being true to yourself and your own values, which clearly you, you are. So that's really cool. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Um, Before I know we're getting close to our time, but before we wrap up, I wanted to go back to a little bit of, uh, talk a little bit about your work and commitment around transportation. Sure. And I say this partly because I live in the West, as do you. And in our part of the West, we don't have terrific public transportation. We have a bit. We have a very active biking community. But this has been a really hard one uh, for for us locally. I just wondered what you'd like to say about that in terms of successes or challenges or great ideas you might have going forward. Sure so um, in January of
1: 2017 transportation overtook energy as the number one contributor of u.s greenhouse gas emissions in this country um, <clears throat> what makes transportation especially pernicious is the the air pollution that that goes along with it and I'm talking particularly um, about particulate matter, uh, diesel, th- that comes from the diesel fuel, uh, you know, carbon monoxide, nitrous oxide, sulfur dioxide, a lot of the other um, air pollutants come from our passenger vehicles, cars and trucks um, on our roads. And so we have to move on transportation um, and urgently. Um for a variety of reasons, right? Meet our greenhouse gas reduction goals, uh, you know, address community health impacts and concerns. We know uh, that uh you know there are uh increased health impacts around seaports, airports, highways, and byways, and by that I mean low birth weight, asthma, cardiopulmonary uh conditions, etc. So transportation is hugely important in this work and um, it's new it's challenging it involves people making decisions in their behavior so uh, it's complicated um, and it can be a real sleeper in fact some folks consider it to be the Cinderella of sustainability work and I have a couple examples that I'm happy to share with you uh, around that one is you know, um, I, I guess perhaps you might consider approaching transportation from a again a scope of control uh, perspective, and that uh, you know hospitals can manage their fleets, and it, if they own or lease them, um, if you know if they lease them, they can work with with their uh, you know business partners uh, to prefer low emission vehicles and right size vehicles for their fleets. Uh, and we're already seeing this, especially in the VA. My heavens, have they? Uh, they this is where they began their work, and they're already uh, transitioning their fleets to uh, lower emission fuels, electricity, and compressed natural gas, as well as optimizing routes, making sure they got the right size vehicles carrying the needed supplies. So you know, a hospital has uh, can have a good scope of control on its fleet vehicles, and perhaps start there. It may feel a little bit more intimidating to approach the employee commute. Um, That involves, you know, a baseline, understanding how many people are driving alone to work. Um, And that's through a survey. So it gets a little complicated kind of, you know, right from the beginning. But the good news is that Practice Green Health has developed tools to help its members through this And, um, Beth, I'm going to give you a great example of a neighbor of yours um, over there in the next state over in Wyoming, Jackson Hole. Uh, St. John's Medical Center is a member of Practice Green Health. And uh, our contact there worked, took the tools of the transportation toolkit. And over the summer, they established a transportation challenge. I'm not quite sure what the name of it is. And they put, um, I think, ten or fifteen thousand dollars behind providing incentives um, to encourage folks to pick healthier, more active modes of transport of uh, getting to work. Oh my gosh, has it gone over like gangbusters? The uh, the HR department is administering it. They did their baseline survey, and they have a six month campaign. Uh, you know, so while the weather is nice, they're encouraging their employees to take alternative modes of transportation and paying them five dollars a day for every day they do not drive alone to work. Currently, forty percent of their employees are not driving alone to work. Now again, this is a six month campaign. They're wrapping it up here as we get into the fall. Not only are the employees thrilled and getting exercise and getting, you know, a little bonus, their patients are finding parking. It has alleviated such a source of stress for the hospital, and that's kind of the secret sauce, right? You've got engaged employees. You've got healthier employees who are riding or walking to work. You've got happier patients because they can find parking, Um yeah, perhaps your insurance premiums might come down or your patient satisfaction scores are going to go up because your employees are so darn happy and, you know, uh, exercised and de-stressed and doing great work. So it all kind of uh, builds upon itself, but transportation can be a solution for a lot of hospital challenges.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's a really uh, nice story because, as you say, it brings together. A number of different elements and uh, that are addressed by the same solution. That's the sort of thing that you, you just can't ignore,
1: right? And Beth, I'll give you one other example. Out in Seattle, uh, Seattle Children's Hospital. Now they have you know state and city ordinances uh, and are about twenty years ahead of the rest of the country because the state of Washington actually is administering um, an employee commute survey for employers with more than a hundred employers. But Seattle Children's, uh, in the heart of Seattle, um, looked at their top admission diagnoses. And of course, pediatric asthma attacks and bronchiolitis were number one and number three. So there's one other aspect that can be pulled into the transportation work. And of course, that's the fulfillment of the mission, right? Nobody wants to be contributing to air pollution that might be triggering asthma attacks in kids. And boy, that's not only true for Seattle Children's, but, you know, it was also true for Lenox Hill Hospital in New York, who um, actually applied for and received a city grant to begin converting their ambulances to compressed natural gas and electricity batteries and even solar uh, to Uh, cut down on the idling ambulances in the city that needed to run to keep their equipment, but were, uh, you know, emitting diesel fumes uh, and noise pollution at all hours of the day and night. You know, Switchboard in New York City got like 14,000 calls of complaints between 2012 and 2014 of uh, of idling ambulances. And uh, Lenox Hill applied for a grant to convert an ambulance from diesel to compressed natural gas. And I think they're on their fourth, third or fourth one now because it was so successful. Uh, the HR department <laughs> or the marketing department developed a logo and put on these new ambulances. And of course, they're in the city. They're like mobile billboards, and they're going to community events and nursery schools, and you know, uh, just. And then the the city, of course, is behind it. The citizens are happy about it, and uh, again, it's led to subsequent funding. So, I guess another good example. Of uh, tying transportation to community health outcomes.
0: Yeah, that's so important, and those are those are great stories, and those are the kinds of things that the rest of the nation, including us here in Montana, need to see. Because, as you say, it ties ties together so much. One of the challenges I think uh, is that that bottom line doesn't hit the hospital, unlike um, energy and the utility division of of running a hospital and so it's easily easily ignored but the problems are as you say uh tremendous and surpassing in terms of our greenhouse gases surpassing our other energy sources so really really important to stay on top of thank you for those descriptions
1: oh you're so welcome yeah it's an exciting time you know i think wireless electricity um GPS aut- autonomous driving they are all converging mm-hmm. now in the next you know three years uh, I think we'll see some major changes not unlike what we've seen with you know, you know the cell phone and some of these online platforms very you know it's it's a it's not op- it's an opportunity ripe for social right. division, uh, yeah. and with a lot of positive health outcomes
0: well terrific Julie. It's been so nice to talk to you, and I I know I've taken enough of your time. Is there anything else that you want to say today that we haven't talked about yet? I can't think of anything, Beth. Okay. Well, thanks again so much for joining me today. It's been really, really interesting, and you've given me lots of ideas I'm going to follow up on. And to those of you listening today, thank you for listening to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. Check us out at environ E-N-V-I-R-N, .org where you can find many other episodes to listen to. Also, if you have the chance, please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time.